Awesome. Well, that's great. Thank you for that, Ray. It's good to uh, be reminded of our love for Jesus every single minute. And I pray that we're even feeling that right now. And I guess I don't need this. All right, there I am. Okay, perfect. Well, it is exciting to be together here. We started last week talking about the Lord's favor. And before we get to Teddy and Lacey there, we're just think about Jesus' mission when he came to this earth was to save us, but not just to save us, to bring us the favor of God, the blessings of God. And I don't know if you remember the challenge that I gave you last week. Um, sometimes we forget these things, but I, the, the challenge was to pray to God that he would bless you. Right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands as far as how many people actually did that. But it was based on this song where over and over they kept saying, bless me, bless me, bless me. And it's not like we're just selfishly praying. You could say, bless us, bless us, bless us. But sometimes as Christians, we forget that God loves us and wants to bless us. Like he wants to make us great. He wants to lift us up. He doesn't, it's not the, sometimes the prosperity gospel, we get, we don't want to have that. We just don't want to be, follow Jesus so we can get rich. Well, Jesus, if you follow Jesus, he wasn't rich, so it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get rich, but he wants to bless us. And I was back in Kids Kingdom before uh, talking with the teachers and little uh, Annabelle and Luke were back there and they were, I walked up to them and their faces all, or Luke's face was like all red and he had, you know, red all over his hands, and I could tell he was, like, looking for somewhere to, like, wipe his hands, you know. So I kind of led him over to, to some napkins, and, and they were eating their favorite fruit. They had cherries and strawberries. And so I said, what's your favorite fruit? And she said, cherries, and he said, strawberries. And I just was thinking, like, man, imagine as their parents are, man, I love cherries, I love strawberries, and you're just like, eat as many as you want, right? It's not like it's ice cream. I mean, that's pretty good for you, right? You can have as many strawberries as you want. But that's how God is with us. When he knows something encourages us, he's like, man, I just, I want to just pour it on. I want you to have red all over your face if you love strawberries, just knowing that I want to take care of you, that I want to make you happy, that I want to give you what you want, which is hope and a future. And it comes all through a relationship with Christ. And recently, we've gotten to see a little bit of the Lord's favor through some of these camps that we've had. And these are some of our teens with uh, Ted and Lacey, the teen camp called Metanoia, which kind of goes along with today a little bit, which means uh, mind change, you know. So that's what Jesus came to bring, a mind change. And, you know, it was amazing that all the teens from the IE came back and like 17 of them want to get closer to God. And they're just so excited and people are just You know, it's amazing the transformation that happens in just one week of worship and being away from the phone and just being with God and being with friends that want the same things. And uh, it was just uh, super encouraging. And then this past week, uh, we had uh, youth camp, which is a favorite of the Desert Cities Church, right? We have youth camp. I'll let James know the obstacle course wasn't nearly as good this year. But they know where to find the stuff. If they want to make it better, they can come get the stuff. But James did the obstacle course for like 10 years or maybe more. But it was just cool to be up there 
and our plan was to have some of the kids share this week and next week, but there was kind of a lot of camp sickness going around, and so in, in a couple of weeks, we'll get them to share, but uh, they had so much fun that they, they can't even make it to church here today, probably, but I see BJ back there, so he's here with us. He went to both teen camp and pre-teen camp as a, um, a gopher there, so this was part of pre-teen camp here, and you may not be able to tell what this is, but it's a bunch of fifth graders with their water guns, and if you're a boy at pre-teen camp, like, it's all about the water guns, right, and shooting, especially when you're in fifth grade, and so there's my son, Connor, and he's kneeled down, he's in the uh, sacrificial position, <laughs> and it, the kind of the deal was, he was doing the fifth grade check, so if everybody who memorized their scriptures you know, got to be involved in this, you know, quote-unquote human sacrifice. I know it doesn't sound Christian, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, and so he had to go up and kneel down and just submit himself to the group, and then they came and poured, like, this big old Gatorade tub over him as the, you know, official sacrifice. And it was just so cool to see uh, how excited they were. And then this is a picture of him afterwards. <clears throat> And it just hit me because we went up to visit and Connor gave us a little tour of the camp. And don't tell him I said this, but like when you're an adult and you go up there and you look at it, it doesn't look like much, right? It's like some chicken shacks that they stay in and there's dirt everywhere. And, you know, the, the, the amphitheater is really cool, but they had to come and like spray it down with water because it just gets so dusty and and but we went he took us on a tour and in every little section of the camp he would tell us just a different memory that was just so amazing and just place after place after place and I at the end of it I was so convicted and I was like wow through the eyes of a child yeah. what God what we look at and we go ah, I don't know about that that's not the Marriott You know, the teens went to uh, University of Redlands, you know, so they were kind of living large. And this place is not that, but you just see how many miracles God does. And now he wanted to go back because it was so special to him to be a counselor. And I got to send this picture to the guy that was like, when Connor was in fifth grade, who was the big guy, you know, Sam Newman. I sent that to him and I said, you know, see how it all comes around you know, in the, the Lord's favor and how what, those memories that these kids are making, they just continue to go around and around. And it's just so special. And, uh, you know, it makes you realize, like, wow, God is working. Sometimes we look at it and we go, oh, I don't know about that. It doesn't look like much. But God is working. And if that's our mindset, hopefully today you're going to change that mindset. Like, I changed mine. Like, it, even if it doesn't look like much, God is working in incredible ways, whether we see it or not, whether we acknowledge it uh, or not. We're going to hear more about that uh, today. But today the title is Freedom for the Prisoners. And before we get started here, I want to say a prayer and also to uh, encourage you guys to be praying for Chris Ventura, who's having his pacemaker put in on Thursday. So uh, he's our walking miracle there. So he needs a little pacemaker to continue that. And uh, so we're praying for him. And uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this time. Thank you that you came to set the prisoners free. God, thank you that you care about us, that you want to bless us and give us your favor, God. And we pray for that favor with Chris this week, that you bless this procedure, that 
everything goes amazingly, God, and you've already brought so much uh, joy through this world through him and all the miracles that you've done in his life and with his health, and I pray this is another one of those. And, and we really see you, God, and I pray for anyone here that's hurting, anyone that's struggling, people that have family members that are hurting, God, that you, you comfort them, that you work your miracles and your healing power, God. We love you. Be with this time that we look into your word, that we can be inspired by Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord's favor. And this was uh, the passage that we started reading last week at Jesus' first sermon. And he said, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And just this amazing journey that Jesus had everywhere that he went, people saw God. And here on this trip, they saw miracles. And it doesn't say that he was healing people and he was driving demons out. But you just kind of know that he probably was. Right? That's what they were praising God for. And and his teaching, they they never heard anyone teach that way. They never heard that power coming from uh, the synagogues. And then he handed up the scroll and was about ready to read this passage that was written about himself. I mean, can you imagine how amazing that was to read a passage and to live a passage? To know that that described who you are and who you will be in the near future. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And if you're here, if you were here last week, you're probably thinking, Hey, we read this passage last week. If you don't remember, you, maybe you need, you know, we did read this passage last week. <laughs> And we're kind of going through line by line the different things. Last week we talked about good news to the poor. We talked about how Jesus was drawn towards those that were physically and spiritually poor. And those were the people that he was looking at. And those were the burdens that he wanted to carry. And I don't know if you remember me sharing that sometimes God lets you go beyond where you're comfortable as Jesus went into the wilderness and was pushed 40 days with no food and just to the point of death. And that was exactly where the Spirit led him. Sometimes when things get hard, we feel like, oh, well, God must be punishing me. And sometimes maybe, but in Jesus' case, it was the Spirit that was leading him through this difficult wilderness. And I had that come to mind this week. I don't know if you had There was a point in this week when I was like, God, I was just talking about this. I don't like being pushed beyond where I'm comfortable. And I was in a situation this week where some close friends were were not getting along and and there was there was 
tension. You know how that is when you, people you care about, when there's tension and there, it wasn't, I'm, I'm kind of downplaying it a little bit, but it's like there was, there was anger and there was suspicion and there was lack of trust and there was assuming the worst. And there was, I know, I knew they were doing this and it was, it was like that, right? And so we got together and here I am, I'm like going to be the mediator. And I got involved in something that somebody said, I got triggered and I just made it worse. So it's like there's a fire and I come in and instead of using the fire hose, I just pour gas on it. And it just goes boom. And then I got, then I was involved, and then it's like this whole mess and misunderstanding and intention. And, and, you know, it's kind of like one of those times where then on your way home, then you're talking to one person all the way home, and then you're hanging up with that person, then you're talking with the other person for a long time, and then you're hanging up with that person, and you're calling, the next day the other person's calling you about something else that they forgot, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, God, this isn't even my thing. I'm just trying to help. And at the same time, a couple dear brothers called me and were just getting attacked by temptation. And they were being drawn to certain scriptures that are really not good. You know, when you think, maybe I committed the uh, only unforgivable sin... That, that doesn't mean that that's true because I don't think that's possible because none of us were with Jesus and, and everything. The unforgivable sin was when Jesus was driving out demons and people said that he was a demon. That was what can't be forgiven. But when we're in a bad place, we can read the Bible and Satan can beat us up with it. And that's what was happening. And I was just like, God, I'm just already in a bad spot. And now these guys are in a bad spot and we're... It was just like, do I really want to trust Jesus? Do I really want to go into this? You know, sometimes God leads us and helps us. And, man, I was humbled. I felt like, man, I'm talking about being poor in spirit, and that's me. Because I'm, I'm I was feeling weak. You know, and we prayed, and it wasn't like we prayed, and we're like, yes, we're like fired up. We're like, huh. Man, I hope it goes away. <laughs> and, you know, you think about being a prisoner of sin. You know, that's what Jesus was talking about here, that this word uh, pr- freedom has to do with, with, um, with forgiveness. And it's the word Ephesus. Uh, it's similar to Ephesus, but with an A. And it was just Jesus trying to set people free from their, from their guilt, from their punishment, from their sin. And he was passionate about freedom. You know, I was trying to think about, is there any prisoners that Jesus actually set free, like literal prisoners? Like I thought of the demon-possessed man who was chained up. But other than that, I couldn't think, I know there's some in the book of Acts, but I couldn't think of any like literal prisoners that Jesus set free. But I can think of a lot of people that were imprisoned by their sin that he set free. People that were possessed by demons that he set free. People that were ostracized 
by, by their, their diseases that he set free. People that felt discouraged and, and depressed. You know, we've had a lot of prisoners in the last couple of years. Anxiety, isolation, sin. And Jesus came to bring, it, bring us out. Through, our, through honesty, through the cross, through forgiveness, through prayer, through openness. You know, just being willing. And I even encourage those two brothers, man, you, you reached out when most people wouldn't reach out. Because a lot of times when we're in a bad place, we're like, oh, I just want to get through this and then I'll tell everyone what happened later. But, man, they, they reached out, for, and that probably saved the, their day, right? It, might, it probably saved their, their time. And everyone, no one that reaches out to Jesus gets turned away. And so that's one of my encouragements for us is to never try to deal with it ourselves. Man, that's so hard to do. Sometimes God lets us get so desperate that we can't do it ourselves because we refuse until it gets hard. You know, I started thinking about literal prisoners that have come through my life. And there was one man named Eli, and I remember visiting him. One of his sisters was a, was a disciple in, in Orange County. And, you know, I visited him a few times. And, you know, his, it was, it was kind of like the most encouraging time of my week, but it was also the most sad you know, and just going in there, and God knew that I needed it. But man, he was, he was in there for life. He's still in there. And just thinking like, man, even as I was writing this sermon, it made me remember about a month ago, his sister asked me to write him a letter. And I still haven't done it, so you can ask me about that. But when you're in prison, like, that letter is Everything. Like, that's, that's gold. If you put $5 on their card, it's like you won the lotto because you get to buy a bag of chips and you get some snacks. And it just, I felt, I remember feeling such a responsibility. You know, uh, many of you know Stephen Morales, you know, who's now one of our ministers in, in uh, Rancho Cucamonga. But what you might not know, you know, and I visited him for a number of years there, but what you might not know is it took my supervisor in Orange County asking me three different times to go visit him. So he, he asked me one time and I didn't go. Then he asked me another time and I still didn't go. And he finally bugged me so many times the third time and I went because he was my supervisor. Why? Because I was busy, because I had young kids, because I was in a new ministry and still trying to get to know everybody. And when I got there, I realized, wow, this is the most important thing I can be doing. This is people that are poor in spirit. These are people that are hurting. These are people that need to, need the encouragement and I went, to, I went to encourage him, but he was actually the one encouraging me. He was the one that was fired up for God. I was just sharing a few scriptures. And I would 
challenge him because I knew he's in a rough environment and I would lay out some really heavy challenges for him and I would leave and go back to the car and go, man, what am I doing? This guy's in like a battle for his life, spiritually. You know, and he ended up converting like three people in there and I was just like amazed. But that's what Jesus came to do is set people free that were stuck the problem is most, most people don't realize they're in prison. They're in their home, they're at work, they're hanging out, they're going out to eat, and they don't realize that they're stuck. And yet Jesus came to help people that were stuck. That's what he calls us to do is help people find forgiveness. I, I mentioned this last week that this has not been a real strength of mine for the past few years. It's been terrible. That's not been my passion. That's not on my heart all the time. I'm not praying for people like that. But Jesus is. Jesus was passionate to save people's souls. People that felt like they were all good, he tried to disturb them so that they would see their need. People that saw their need, he tried to lift them up. And my challenge for myself and for all of us is to proclaim freedom for the prisoners that are all around us. To pray and be passionate for those that are around you, not just to sit back. To be Rattled out of our complacency. I want to be the person that that I don't have to be asked three times ever again. How many times is God leading you towards someone or asking you to be in a Bible study or leading you to a certain conversation and we kind of pull back? And He's like, I gave you that chance, I gave you that opportunity. And it's not to be led by guilt, but it's to be led by a heart that wants to set people free. A heart of gratitude, a heart of love, of like, man, God has blessed me so much. I don't want to keep it all. I want to share it. Back in Isaiah 61, where this passage comes from, he says that you will be called priest of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. If you could imagine what this must have read like when they read this. They were in captivity. And he's saying, you're going to be priests and you're going to be ministers of our God. Well, first of all, only a certain person could be a priest. And they're not even around their temple. They're in a foreign, godless country. And they're like, what? How can that be? We're we're nothing. We've been obliterated. And God still gave them hope. He says, you will feed on the wealth of the nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. 
Man, he's writing at them at a dark time, and he's saying, I want to bless you. I want to give you a double portion. You're favored. I want to give you everlasting joy, joy that no one can take away, joy that lasts forever. And in 1 Peter 2, we're familiar with that passage where he says, I'll make you the people of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I pray that we can be people where we appreciate the the grace that God has given us, the standing that he's given us. But today is also a time to check ourselves. Do, Do I really want to bring freedom to those around me? Am I looking for God to use me? Am I ready to open my heart? to those that are around me. Because God wants to bless us in an amazing way. And I'm excited to uh, have Mark and Jackie come up and share. And uh, I just want to say a little bit of why I thought of them. Was because how God has lifted them up to where now their whole family kind of depends on them. And that was really uh, a story to me of God's favor. So I'm going to have you guys come up and, and share your story with us. All right. Hello, church. My name is Mark. This is my amazing wife, Jackie. And, um, you know, really grateful to be here. Uh, really, I mean, enjoying the, the sermon so far. I mean, just really touching just the core of our experience in our lives and uh, things we've gone through and uh, definitely encouraging, not just, you know, the favorite part, but just seeing coming from being in that spiritual prison and being set free and then the life that we have today and the opportunity we have to to serve God and to be a part of a family and a church. And But uh, um, I'm going to read a scripture in First Peter uh, chapter 1, 3 through 7. And uh, I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to let uh, Jackie share. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, uh, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. I'm going to let Jackie share. Thank you. Um, I'm really nervous, <laughs> so I feel like I'm going to vomit right now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so anyway, like, I really appreciate uh, what Scott's been sharing about being about being free from that prison. Most people who know me know that they may not know the depths of where I come from, but they know I come from a lot, like, a lot of darkness, a lot of sadness and a lot of grief. Um, I can remember being 10 years old, and um, the the preacher came and said that my father had committed suicide. 
And I can remember just really thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, like, that's just really terrible. (laughs) And just the loss that I felt in that moment kind of set the pattern of my whole life, if that makes sense. Like, for the first time, I felt this emptiness inside, this void that just wouldn't go away. Um, I think it was then in that moment that I locked that little girl away. And then my life just led into um, addiction, a lot of addiction. Um, I don't even think I realized I was addicted or a prison to addiction until I was in my 20s. Um, Like I had a lot of broken Like, I was so broken that every relationship that I was in was broken. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of, like, how it was. And just, like, the whole path of, like, this tornado that I was in, like, it was just, like, this path of destruction, and I was always trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I was like, oh, I'm an introvert, but I have to be an extrovert. Or, oh, you know, I'm this, but I have to be that. Um and then it came a time where, oh, oh man, um, I ended up having children, and those children were taken from me. Um, I don't know if anyone would ever be able to understand that depth of loss and sadness, and that could still continued to um, affect my life, and. Um, And I kept, like, consuming so much just trying to make the pain go away. Um, And I I was, like, I remember looking at this picture, like, and there was, like, this eye and these bars. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. I used to describe it as having cinder blocks tied to my feet and someone threw me in the middle of the lake and I couldn't get my head above water. And then something miraculous happened, so I lived my life like that for 20 years. I lived my life trying to fill this emptiness, this void, with whatever I could grab a hold of that was tangible. I remember saying when I was 14 years old that there wasn't a God, and I lived my life like there wasn't one. Because I was like, if there was a God, why would he do this to me? Like, I felt like I was kind of like God's pawn, um, and then when I turned, I turned 29, um, and I was about to be 30. And it's kind of like somebody had taken a defibrillator and just kind of shocked me. Um, I had overdosed again, um, and sometimes I wonder how I even made it, <laughs> um, how I even lived to be able to talk to you today, because there were so many times that I shouldn't have made it through that. Um, as a result of all of that, I had another child. Um, I ended up coming out here to California, but I left my child in Kentucky, uh, which was really hard to leave her there. Um, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit. So I met Mark. I've been sober for 10 years. I got sober on July 2nd, 2012. God has put kids in my life that I have so many kids in my life, it's ridiculous. Like, we have six kids, and, you know, we have six grandkids. (laughs) We're just, like, just full of kids all the time. And where I was a person that nobody trusted, 
and nobody would even want to be around their children. I have now become someone that's like, my daughter Ashley is like, hey, can you watch my kids for me? You know, like that's like a really big deal. And I actually want to watch them because there was a time where I was so broken with all of the loss of all of the, my children that I've lost that I felt that whenever I became baptized in 2015, um, I felt free for the first time in my life. Like I felt freedom to be able to smile and to not sit there and live in that junk, like just constantly just consumed with shame, guilt, remorse, shame, guilt, remorse, and it was just wiped away. It was wiped away, and I just couldn't believe it, you know, and, and you know, we've had a lot of loss. We've had a lot of victories. Those two kids that I lost, they're, they're coming back in my life now, you know, which is a really big deal, you know, and I have a little girl that's 11. She comes out here, and I get to see her. I'm like a part-time mom, but who cares? You know, I'm in her life, so it doesn't matter. And I get to do those things today. And we lost our son, Dylan. And we lost his dad. We're losing, losing Dylan was really hard. And we really are so grateful that you guys were here for us during that time. Because it was super hard. And we were so encouraged by you guys' hearts. Because losing someone that close to me over something that I was doing not, not that it was my fault, but I'm like, wow. I never knew that someone that I love so much would die from that. But I'm just really grateful that you guys got me come up here and talk. I feel like I've talked too long and I've rambled. <laughs> but we're just really grateful to be here. So I'm going to give it back to Mark. And I just want to say, I just want to lift up my wife. I mean, she's... She's an incredible woman, and um, I mean, there's just so much that she's done for my family, for her family, just the energy she has, and just seeing what God has done in her life just inspires me um, on a daily basis. The amount of energy she puts in and what she does is just um, incredible, Um, you know, and I ask her, what can I do to encourage you, and uh, she'll say, now let's go on a four-mile hike, or let's <laughs> let's go to Washington and, cl- and climb Mount Rainier, and let's. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, you know, sometimes it's flowers or gifts, but you know, she she, and you know what? But it, it's been encouraging because I know even though she's calling me to do those things, it's it's helping me. So indirectly, I'm I'm getting healthier just being around her, and I'm just grateful for everything she's done for my family. As she said, you know, we've. I've watched her go from that darkness. I've watched her come to the light. I've seen how God has worked in her life and continues to work in her life. It's not just a 10-year-old experience that we're talking about. It's a present, daily experience that we're seeing God make changes in our families and in our lives um, on, a, on, you know, on a daily, weekly basis. And we're being called to that. And like Scott said and like the scriptures say, it's... Um, it's a challenge, and we want to, you know, sometimes it's like, really, God? It's like, we can do this, too? It's like, ah, oh. And that weakness and that powerlessness is, is there. And it's like, it's only through God's strength. It's only through, through Christ and the strength and that, that power and that weakness that he talks about. All the scriptures, they come in, and they just inspire us. And 
we got the support and the foundation. One thing that we learned was that, you know, coming to the church and, um, you know, she was baptized in 2015. I was restored at that time. And it's been seven years that we've built relationships with members in this church and brothers and sisters and family. And, you know, in October, my dad passed. And that was hard because my mom, you know, her her life changed and she was alone in, in her mind. She And, you know, we made a decision to leave our house and go stay with my mom. And, uh, and, and, and that wasn't easy. That was a big change. And during those times, there was a lot of changes that happened. Uh, my daughter and her husband, they moved into our house. And then six months after my dad passed, my son passed. And uh, he died tragically of, uh, of a drug overdose. And I got the letter, I think a month ago, not a letter, but the death certificate. And on there, it had the fentanyl. I saw the fentanyl. And I watched the news, and I see the news on a daily basis. And there it is. It's like, oh, my son is a statistic in that, in that war against that. And it's like, oh, okay, God. It's like, here we go. You know, and we have to go through this. And we're going through it together. And all this stuff that's happening, I still got to go to work, still got to take care of the kids and the calls and, you know, still got to do all that stuff. And it's like, it just, there's a pain that's just, we just have to go through. But with God and the, you know, those scriptures of, you know, it's like rejoice in the suffering, you know, suffering perseverance and perseverance character. It's like, it's real, you know, and it's in through God and through Christ. And it, it, there's hope. It's like, we're doing it. It's like, this is crazy. But, you know, when I see the impacts it has, you know, my son, I mean, my, my daughter and her, hus- her husband are, you know, studying the Bible and stuff. And, and it's like, and he asked me the other day, he said, uh, so do you guys go out there and like, Fisher for men, do you go out there and share your faith and, and do this stuff? And inside, I, I, I thought to myself, all right, well, you know, but the reality is it's like going through what we go through in our lives. And I explained to him, it's like, you know, the living and active, when, when, you're, when you're in it and you're going through it, it's like you're just living it, you know. <laughs> you're, just, you're just doing it. And the people around you, they're, they're seeing it. And sometimes you get an opportunity, like, you know, he, opened, he opens his mouth to ask questions. It's like, I'm going to spend that 30 minutes. I'm gonna, let's talk because this is, this is what it's all about, you know. And so we're very encouraged. We're inspired. Um, by the church and by what God's doing in our lives. And like I said, you know, my mom, she's happy. We're, that's our home now. We got four dogs there. And, and, and I'm like, oh, these dogs, God help me with these dogs. But, you know, my, my wife and, and my mom, they love the dogs, so I don't have to stress out about the dogs so much unless they're barking or doing stuff that's getting on my nerves. But it's like, okay. But it's good. Th- those are good problems. I welcome those problems in my life today. But uh, thank you so much for letting us share, and uh, thank you, Jackie, for, for sharing with us. And I uh, love you, and I appreciate uh, all you guys. Thank you, Scott. Wow. Thank you, guys, for sharing that. I remember when I got the first call from Mark, and he wanted to try to come back to God at however many years ago, seven or eight years ago. And uh, we spent a lot of time talking and praying. And, you know, um, 
that's the freedom that God can bring to us, through us, for us, for our families. It's not, uh, it's not rainbows all the time. And yet there's a, there's a strength. I don't know if you could see that. There was a strength there that's from God. As they were here, kind of like preaching their story. You know, that's from God. You know, and I, I respect you guys. I want to look at a couple of scriptures. I purposely don't have much after that because I knew that was going to be that was going to be enough. This was talking about John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ. He says, In the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And this was a revolutionary time for Israel. That This is the first time that God spoke to them in hundreds of years. And he didn't speak at the synagogue where everybody thought he was going to be. He spoke to this crazy guy named John out in the wilderness. And he was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which to my knowledge, that message had never been brought before. They had like a baptism to become a Jew, but they never talked about forgiveness. And you can imagine the power, just what we heard. That people would go out to the, this area and they would come back and then they would start telling every, all their friends and family like, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what happened. Like my life was changed. No, it wasn't at the synagogue. No, it wasn't a, a formal rabbi. No, I don't know where he went to seminary. I mean, it was just some crazy guy that told me I needed to change. And that's how this all started. And if you can imagine, this was them writing about it like 20 or 30 years later. And sometimes we read the Bible as if it all happened at the same time. But they're kind of looking back like, wow, that's where it all Started. That's like the prequel to Jesus. As Mark and Jackie were talking about, yeah, that's where it started seven or eight years ago and how they're looking back. And at the time, they didn't know where they were going to be. They were just trying to follow God. They didn't know all those blessings. They didn't know the strength and the difficulties and the, the, what God's forgiveness would do. And I want to encourage you that God has got some amazing plans for your life. If you will be, follow that strength and repenting is a good thing. It means you're turning to do what God wants you to do. You're thinking more clearly the way God wants you to think. You're not thinking the way you used to think or the way people tell you you need to think, but you're thinking the way God thinks. And I love this passage, and we're going to take communion we're going to pray after this and take communion. But this is Jesus after he rose from the dead. He told them so many times that he was going to die and raise from the dead, but they never got it. It's like he would just say it and it was like it would just wouldn't even register. Because that wasn't what they were expecting. And here he says, then he opened their minds 
so they could understand the scriptures. And really, for any change to happen, God has to open our minds. It's like we've seen it before, but now we really see it. It's like they heard the words before, but I don't know if Jesus like went like this or he you know, snapped his fingers, but some way they understood the scriptures. And he said, this is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And it finally clicked. We are witnesses of these things. We're not believing this by faith. We actually saw this. He's talking to us right now. And I pray that today that our minds can be opened. That we can see what we've heard a million times before. That we can have a heart and a passion that maybe we've never had or we haven't had in a long time. And as we take communion, I want us to, we're going to take a time. I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray by yourselves, either with your your family or just people next to you or whatever. Because in order to open people's minds like Jesus did when they, when they were just open, it's, it takes prayer. It takes God. And my heart is that hopefully today, whatever either we need to be forgiven of or people that we want to be forgiven by God, that we can bring them up before God today. And so I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that. And then after a few minutes, I'm going to come back up and then we're going to uh, pray and, and take our communion together. So just pray for all those people that are on your heart. And I'll be right back.
Amen, guys. We're going to let's say a prayer for our communion today. Father, we thank you so much that you hear our prayers. We know that even Jesus uh, wasn't even thankful for the miracles, but was just thankful that you heard him and you, you loved him. And I pray that even now that the prayers that we have prayed and the ones that we will pray, that you will send your angels out to minister to those that we love, that you will minister to us, that you will remind us of who you are and what you can do. God, I pray that we won't just see your words for someone else, but we can see that in our own lives, not just for Mark and Jackie, but for us and those that we maybe have lost faith for, God. Just help us to hold on to that mustard seed, and we pray for miracles. Thank you for Jesus who died for us and gave us the ultimate miracle from raise, of raising from the dead. God, I pray that we can consider him and know that all things are possible. Thank you for his body and his blood that was shed for us. But most of all, thank you that he raised from the dead. Thank you that he could open up our minds, that we can know that we can be with you and want to be with you someday. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.